So we are starting today in 2 Peter, the book of 2 Peter. We just finished 1 Peter, and this is, this is the, the fourth of the messianic, of the five messianic epistles. And uh, um, so this is the fourth one. The, the, the fifth one is going to be Jude, which we'll cover, and then we will have covered all the, the messianic uh, epistles. Uh, uh, so it was, it was uh, um, we, we, had, we had already covered uh, these other ones, and, and uh, so now we're, we're moving right on into, into Second Peter. <clears throat> so this is again written to the same group of people that Peter wrote his, his first epistle of Peter to. This is the same, the same group of people, but a few years later, a couple of years later, and he's writing to them. And so these are Messianic Jews, meaning that these are, these are Jews who have received Jesus as the Messiah. And so then when we understand that context, we understand a little bit better about why he says certain things. Uh, as he told them in 1 Peter, he had said, don't be like the Gentiles, which would have made no sense if they were Gentiles. Uh, uh, and he was talking about the practices that the Gentiles had had, for example. And in this book, the, the, the first Peter, he was teaching them a lot about Christian character and the things that they should have been involved in in Christian character. This second book, he's teaching them more about the false teachers that are going to be coming in. He's warning them that false teachers are going to be coming in. He knows that his time of death is coming soon. Jesus had, had shared with him back in the Gospel according to John Jesus had shared with him that, that um, uh, what sounded very much like Peter was not going to be dying a natural death. So in John chapter 21, verse 18 and 19, Jesus said to Peter, this is after Jesus had risen from the dead, in John 21, verse 18, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So we have from extra, extra biblical writings that Peter was crucified. Peter was crucified upside down, actually, that, it, that we, we were told. But in any case, it says, uh, they will stretch out your hands so that may well have been to the prophecy of the stretching out of the hands when, when, uh, when someone was crucified. And he said that, now this is, this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. So you see the way Jesus looks, looks at death, that it's, it can even glorify God. And he said that uh, when you grow old, these things are going to happen. So, so it, it, the, the presupposition here then is, says when you grow old, that he was not going to die at a young age. Peter, when he's writing this book, is in his mid-60s, about 65 years old. And Peter is soon going to die. Whether he had another revelation or not, uh, he tells them in this book, as we will read, he says, my time is drawing near. Uh, uh, so, and, and Peter didn't live much, much longer after this. And so this is near the end of Peter's life. He dies in his mid-60s. And uh, as, as did Paul. Paul died in his mid-60s as well. Um, uh, so, so, so we see this. And, and uh, this, is, this is in the year, is, is in the mid-60s, like 65, 66 A.D. 
somewhere between 64 and 66 AD, this book is written. Peter was, was born right, right about uh, AD, AD uh, 1, right around in there. <clears throat> and so, so uh, um, he's warning them about these false witnesses. And in the last book, he told them in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 2, he, he talks about uh, you need the milk of the word. So they were young believers at this time, but now he's treating them very differently. He's going to speak about the meat of the word. So he's he's teaching them in a way that he says that they're going to get get a lot more depth of teaching here now, a lot deeper into the word of God, and they're able to do that. Uh, There's a key word in this book, and that's remembrance, and uh, he's going to use that key word many times. So let's start reading in... in, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting from verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of God, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, <clears throat> seeing that his divine power has been granted to us has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust so he starts out he says Simon Peter so he says in the beginning Simon Peter so that's uh, Simon or Shimon is his Hebrew name, and then uh, Peter is his Greek name. Uh, so it wasn't at all uncommon for, for Jews to have a Jewish name and to have a, a name that's more characteristic of the place in which they live. And many Jews today have the same thing. They will have a Hebrew name and they will have an English name. And so Peter is sh- saying his, his, uh, uh, two of his three names uh, uh, Simon or Shimon, and then uh, Peter, uh, which is which is uh, his Greek name. He also has the name uh, Cephas, which is his Aramaic name, which he's not using here in this context. So the scriptures use all three of his names in different contexts. Sometimes Simon, sometimes Peter, sometimes uh, 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 Cephas, sometimes Simon Peter. So he says Simon Peter, so we know exactly who it is. So we have this disambiguation. This is, this is the same Simon Peter that we, we learned about in, in, in uh, 1 Peter. And he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, a bondservant. So remember, when a person gets saved, they go from, from being enslaved to the devil to being free. We are not enslaved to Jesus. We go from enslavery to the devil. We are slaves of the enemy <clears throat> to being free. What he urges us to do in Romans, uh, Paul urges us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we are to offer up our bodies as a a living and holy holy sacrifice. It is free that we offer up to him to become a bondservant. When we become a bondservant of Christ, it is totally based on on an act of freedom. We are free to do this. You, You are not demanded to become a servant of Jesus. It is a free will offering of yourself. And Paul doesn't command us to do that. He urges us. He says, I urge you, therefore, 
So he's urging us to do this. And I would urge you to do this, to offer up yourself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That is where the blessing is. We get saved. He does not save us and force us into servitude. Not at all. What he does is he offers us to be his bondservant. And it is a beautiful thing to be his bondservant. You will accomplish far more in life for the kingdom of God as his bondservant than just walking in your freedom. When we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a tremendous blessing when we become his bondservant. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle. So he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle, uh, uh, these, these were followers of Jesus, but they also, another requirement to be an apostle was you had to have seen the risen Savior as he rose from the dead during that 40-day period that he walked on earth. Again, many people will use that terminology today of themselves. Uh, I'm not sure why they would want to do that. If you're an apostle, there's a good chance you're going to die a horrific death if you're truly an apostle. Uh, That's the pattern of scripture that we see. Uh, Or you're going to be, and or you will have an exceedingly hard life. Uh, It is very hard to be an apostle. Uh, uh, The abuse that they underwent. And and, uh, he's demonstrated apostles as last of all. So if you think that calling yourself an apostle is going to set you in an exalted position, it will not. If you're really walking as an apostle, you're going to be last of all. This is what Paul tells us. But Peter takes this on and he says, I am first of all a bondservant. I have given myself to Jesus and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Everything, everything is surrounded by Jesus. Everything in this portion is surrounded by Jesus. This is like, like I'm, I'm teaching out of, out of a favorite type of portion that is just glorifying Jesus. The beauty of this. So he says, to those who have received a faith, verse 1, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, You guys have received the same faith as me, Peter says. It's the same faith. It's the same faith. And and, uh, uh, we are one in this. It's the same faith. So the things that you see me accomplishing, Peter says, the things that I'm doing in Christ, you can do this also. It is of the same faith. We are of the same faith. He's, He's writing to these people who are of the same faith as him. And he says, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's all around Jesus. So, in verse 1, he says, and I'm, I'm a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And he talks about all of this is because of the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is, is around everything. All of this is because of him. You cannot love Jesus too much. You cannot honor him too much. You cannot serve him too much. He is forever worthy of, of our serving. If, if we will learn to honor Jesus Christ in our lives, to speak of him more, to testify of him more, to realize that our service is to Jesus, we will accomplish much, much more in our lives, much more in our lives. That, that uh, uh, he has so much for us because of, of uh, um, Jesus. It's all around Jesus. He is the one through whom God funnels grace into this world. It is all because of Jesus This whole world was created by Jesus and for Jesus. The whole thing created by Jesus and for Jesus. 
God's mercy comes into the world only because of Jesus. God's hand keeping from destroying people because of our wickedness is only because of Jesus. If there's anything good, anything holy, anything upright, it is all embodied in Jesus Christ. It is all in Him. He is the one through whom all good gifts come to humanity. It is because of Jesus. And Peter recognizes this, and he keeps talking about Jesus. In verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our uh, and of Jesus our Lord. I mean, Peter can't get enough of Jesus. You know, if, if I talked about Jesus over and, ago, uh, over and over like this, if I was writing to you a letter, and in the first two sentences I mentioned Jesus three times, you'd be like, enough already. You cannot have enough of Jesus. He is, he is he's the, uh, the pinnacle of all of our faith. It's all around him. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There was so much facing me this week with all that I have coming up and then with my father becoming ill and my having to travel to, to, uh, uh, with five of my students. You know, traveling alone is pretty easy. Traveling with five students is like traveling with five children without Shireen being with me. I mean, because, you know, we get to the hotel, I'm, I'm getting them using my credit card, waiting till they're all checked in. I'm paying for all their meals and trying to make sure that they're all, you know, we're all in the van and we're going where we have to go. And I had all this facing me and then this teaching and then, and then taking care of my father, then going off to Purdue. And so, and then with this live stream Monday night and all of these things, and I started to just feel overwhelmed. I don't know if you've ever felt overwhelmed in your life, but I suspect you have. And let me tell you what I did. I was meditating on this portion to prepare for this class because I, I prepare I prepare all week for this class. Every day I'm re, reading and meditating on the portion from which I'm going to be teaching out of. I don't just pick this up the night before or that morning and say, well, uh, what am I going to say today? No way. I'm all week meditating on this portion. And when you teach Bible studies around campus, I urge you to do that, to take it seriously and to take that portion and be preparing it all week for that time that you will need all week to prepare for that. Because it is God who gives light. God gives understanding. And as I was meditating on this portion, I was feeling so overwhelmed. And it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And it was as if God of heaven and earth was speaking to me. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace means showering you with undeserved gifts. In the midst of my frustration, I read this grace and peace be multiplied to you. That he was going to give me the gifts that I needed. He was going to give me the words that I needed, the words that I needed for my father, the words that I needed for my students, the words that I needed when I spoke at, 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 the, at the Army Corps of Engineers for two hours, I had to stand up and speak. I mean, for two hours, just stand there and speak and, uh, uh, um, and, and to be able to, to teach on, on, on these subjects that we were doing research on and then smile the whole rest of the day as we're, we're bringing us around and everything, which is not easy for me. You think that, you know, smiling is not hard. It depends on who you are. For my wife, smiling, smiling just comes naturally. For me, smiling is something I work at. I mean, I have to do this as service to my Lord. It's not something I'm, I'm not 
naturally just, you know, a smiley person. I'd rather just sit in the corner and, 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 and you know, mind my own business and not smile. But, but God has me out there and I have to do that. And he says, grace and peace to you. When I saw this word peace, it was like God just started showering peace upon me. I had this huge thing that I had to solve. I had to solve this amazing problem that I was being faced with this past week. I think it was on, it was, it was like on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was on Wednesday morning. I had to, to solve this thing. And, 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 uh, um, and I was just getting overwhelmed. And I said, Shireen, pray with me. And then as I got into the word of God, here I am studying the scriptures. And all of a sudden, God gives me the chemical answer for what I needed for my work. Go figure. God gave me the chemical answer that I needed. And I'm just writing this thing down. I even have a little notebook. I have a little notebook right here. And and in this little notebook, you know, I jot down thoughts as I'm preparing for my Bible study. And, and, uh, and then boom, I just start, you know, drawing chemical structures and, and, you know, and and, and I'm, I'm calculating, uh, uh, probabilities of things. And, 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 uh, uh, it's that God just dropped that on me. He gave me the answer. He gave me the answer on how to address this problem that I was going to have to be speaking to a large group of people. And I knew I had to have an answer to this. And God gave it to me in prayer, studying for this class, studying the scriptures. This is what God does. Yeah, it's like a download from God. This is exactly what God does. He says exactly what he does. He says grace means undeserved gifts. I'm going to shower you gifts, and I'm going to give you peace. And I got up from that time. I was totally different. I went back upstairs, and I said to Shireen, I said, I figured it out. I got it. I got that answer that I needed. I got it. And God was so good, and we both got down on our knees, and we just gave thanks to Jesus. It's all because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you knew, if you knew the grace that he gives you, the grace that he gives you, it's just amazing. And, and it says here, grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's not just added, it's multiplied. Multiplied does more than just addition. Multiplication just, just I mean, things can grow really rapidly when you multiply. And uh, um, I'm sure, I'm sure if, if, if Peter knew something about exponentials, he would have said exponential. I mean, this stuff is just amazing. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As we know God, what it does is just huge as we know God. Let me read to you from Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You will discern the the knowledge of God. That that, uh, uh, as you do this, you will discern the knowledge of God. This is what it says. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, if you lift your voice for understanding, if you would learn to ask God 
if you would lift your voice for understanding, you would discover the knowledge of God. This is what you would discover. This is what would happen. You discover the knowledge of God. If, if, you, if you ask of him, Jesus said, you, Jesus said uh, uh, knock and the door shall be opened of, open to you. Seek and you shall find. He tells us uh, in, in, in James chapter 4, James tells us we do not receive because we do not ask. You ask of God, he gives to you. He is amazing and it all comes because of Jesus Christ. In the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the more we know about Jesus, the more we learn of his goodness, of his kindness, of his mercy, of his faithfulness. He always takes, takes the heavier load that we are carrying he comes and he carries it with us. And he carries the, the heavier end of the cross. He does all this for us. He's, all of this is all because of Jesus he does for us. And he says grace and peace are going to be multiplied to you. Not just given to you, but multiplied to you. And I know, I know because I was an undergraduate one day. And I know how I used to cry out to God for help. And he helped. I mean, you just get so overwhelmed with work. I was a graduate student. And I remember being just so, I felt so overwhelmed with work. And over and over again, he used to do this for me. He would do this, grace and peace. And here I am, you know, here I am in my older age now. And what God does is he continues to do this. He continues to give me grace. You think, well, you, you know, Jim Tours had enough. Let, let, let him flounder for a while. No way. Jesus is not going to abandon me. No way. I cry out to him and he fills me. This is what he does. This is, it's all around Jesus. And he says in verse 3, seeing that his divine power, who's, the, the last thing it mentioned in verse 2 was Jesus our Lord. So when it's saying, seeing that his, Jesus our Lord's divine power has been granted, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. This is all around Jesus. Jesus is the one who has called us by his own glory and excellence. It's all around him. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. I mean, this whole thing of separating, this whole thing of trying to separate our, our, our Christian life from our work is a terrible mistake. You want to you try to separate these two? Boy, do you lose out. I could never do my work. I could never do my job without Jesus, without my Christian life. All around this, this is, this is the whole sustenance of it. It's all because of Jesus. You don't want to abandon this. It's all because of him. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. Everything pertaining to life. It's not just the, the religious things of life. It's everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's granted us, grant us godliness. It's all in Jesus Christ. As we study the life of Jesus, you will be studying godliness. Godliness. Jesus is the picture of godliness. His total godliness in him. And he grants to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. My tasks in life are different than your tasks in life. Your job in life is different than my job in life. He will give you what you need for your job. Oh, I urge you to learn to cry out to Jesus. I urge you to learn to come before Jesus and ask of him. He will do this. He will do this in your life. He is gracious and kind, 
holy in every way. He'll give you everything you need. His, it, it says that, that uh, um, seeing that his divine power has granted, it's already granted, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, whatever you need, through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. It comes through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and excellence. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know Jesus, I ask you this day, come to know him. Come to know him. There's people in that classroom right there. They will share with you. They will talk to you about Jesus. You can email me and, and send me an email to tour at drjamestour.org and I will gladly, I will meet with you. We'll set up a time to meet by Zoom and, and I'll tell you about Jesus. I mean, this to me means so much to be able to tell people about Jesus. This is what I do. I love to do this. Get saved. Get to know him. For people who do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, send me that email. We'll get together. I'll tell you, tell you all about his resurrection so that you can believe too and be saved. So that you can leave this kingdom of darkness and, and uh, uh, then, then offer yourself as a bondservant to Jesus and learn to walk in this. Verse 4. For by these things he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. There's so much trying to clamp down on us, and we can escape this. I mean, Jesus opens up the door for this. He opens up the door in a beautiful way. It's all around Jesus. If you look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 14. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. It is in Jesus. It is in Jesus we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. I was just reading a, a story this week about a, a woman professor who came to the Lord. Uh, she, was, she was just lost and in middle age, just lost. And this verse, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. This is, this is what, what, what just drew her in. In Jesus, we have redemption. You can redeem a destroyed life. I mean, we are so good at destroying our lives, at destroying our lives. And, and, and it even says in the book of Proverbs that, that we destroy our lives and then we go back and we blame God for it. God had nothing to do with this. It was our own sin in our lives that's destroyed our lives so many times. But what he does is he provides a way of redemption. There's redemption in Jesus and there is forgiveness of sins. He says that, that he, he will not remember our sins and he will, he will forgive our transgressions. He will forgive our transgressions. He says that for his own sake he will do this in Isaiah 43 verse 25. So he is so good and so kind and so gracious in every manner, in every way. It is all because of Jesus. He is... He's the exact representation of God. When Jesus, Jesus lived a life here on earth, and through this life we learned what it is to walk before the Father. If we had not had Jesus, we would wonder, what, how, how, do you, how do you live before God? Do I have to become a monk? Do I have to go live on a mountain in Tibet, far away from other people, and, and, and walk as a stoic? Is that how I have to live in order to please God? And Jesus comes. And he lives among us. He comes as a, as a, he's born as a baby because if he'd come at a grown, as a grown man again, he'd be unapproachable. He grows up amongst us. He lives among us. And he teaches us 
You can be a fisherman, you can be a carpenter and be glorifying God in your work and be of service to Him in your work. He taught us what it is to pray. He taught us how to pray. We have His prayers. We have the demonstration of how He prayed. He taught the disciples over and over again. And He said, when I depart, I'm going to just bring this back to your remembrance so that you can instruct exactly what I said. And uh, they were really busy when they were walking with Jesus for for three, three and a half years. And so uh, uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, these guys started writing. These guys started compiling all of this stuff on how we live, and that's in the epistles. That's what's outlined for us. Look in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You want to to know what holds, holds the atom together? How you have all these electrons zipping around this nucleus? It's because of Jesus. Now you can define the forces that do this, but I am telling you, it's because of Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave definition to these forces. Boom, it's just like that. It is just like that. He is the one who holds this whole thing together. He is the one that that keeps these atoms from flying apart. It's him who does this. Uh, uh, Everything has been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. Colossians chapter 1 now, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the head of it. So if, if, if you've gotten upset with the church, well, get over it. I'm telling you, Jesus is the head of the church. And if, if somebody under him has messed it up, well, get over it. He's the head of the church. He is the one that formulated this thing. So many young believers, so many young Christians these days think that they don't need the church. They're becoming what they call nuns, not N-U-N-S. They're being called N-O-N-E-S. They're becoming nuns. They don't, they don't want any church. They, it's none for them. And they're being called nuns. Uh, it, is, it is just, you're missing out so much. The very thing that Jesus himself has established. Jesus has established the church. This wasn't put together by men. Wasn't put together by women. This was put together by Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church. When you rebel against the church, you say, I'll have nothing to do with it. You're saying, I'll have nothing to do with what Jesus has established here on earth. You say, well, I'll just go to Jesus directly. Well, Jesus is directly over the church. I mean, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. I mean, Jesus has established the church. You want to be outside the church? You're in big trouble because then you're not under Jesus. It says he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness to dwell in him. All of the fullness of God dwells in Jesus in bodily form. That's why when when Philip says, show us the Father, Jesus, Jesus said, you're looking at him. When you have seen me, you've seen the Father. These these disciples said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said, you're looking at him. I mean, I've been with you so long, Philip, and you don't know me. I'm with you right here. 
when Jesus walked on this earth, this was God himself walking on this earth. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. In Jesus is all the fullness of God. And through him to reconcile all things to himself. God reconciled us to himself. He brought us back together with him because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. The only reason we can approach God is because of Jesus. You'd never be able to approach God. He's too holy. It's all because of Jesus. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, everything has been united because of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, blessed be your name. It's all because of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I get to teach out of this word, out of this portion, which is just all revolves around Jesus. So good to just have everything revolve around Jesus. Lord, I pray for these young people that you would give them a respect and an honor for the church for whom our Lord Jesus is head. Father, I pray that you'd increase their love and desire for the Lord Jesus, that they would love him all the more. Lord Jesus, I pray thee that you would work in their young lives, that they would become bond servants to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything. They would serve you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I open this up to you and ask you, Lord, work in their lives. Father, for the unbelievers, save their souls, I pray. Save their souls and let Jesus Christ be glorified through their lives. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen.